I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can call now, leave a message. They will get back to you. And also book your spot for their seminar coming up October 12th, 905-529-7165. You can do the same at the website, andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. Good morning, gentlemen. Good to see you. Good, Good morning, morning Scott. Scott. I guess off the top, we should talk about the seminar, October 12th. Creating your retirement paycheck. Mm -hmm. Thursday, October 12th. And we've got two sessions. The morning session, 10 a.m., Royal Hamilton Yacht Club, 7 p.m. at the Sea Hotel. And if you want to reserve your seat, Seating, it is free to attend. Mm -hmm. We do have limited seating at each location. So the best thing to do, call quickly and reserve a spot either online at andyanddon.com or you can call us on the weekend and leave a voicemail at our office number, 905 529-7165, and that's the downtown Hamilton office. Uh, the seminar about creating a paycheck. Now, I guess once we create that retirement paycheck, we really should spend it, but we're not doing that, it seems. Aha, and thank you. That's exactly right. So we just the article I was going to refer to is called Retirees Spending Too Little, yeah. and it was a research piece that was done by a Texas Tech University professor, Michael Fink, and he did some research that was released in 2016. Do you think once this generation passes through and ours gets there or our kids will have the same problem? Oh, yeah. yeah. That's a really good question. <laughs> there won't be anything to spend. There won't, won't be any worries about this. We've learned we'll how to, to redo the study. than our parents, I think. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. They've figured it out. You know, I guess if you grew up in hard times yeah. and difficult times, you, you understand how to stretch a dollar. You understand the importance of setting money aside as a reserve yeah. And, uh, and how quickly things can, can change. So the dynamics of our parents and that generation mm -hmm. is, uh, I think you're right, it's changing a lot. So this, this was a study that was uh, done by uh, these gentlemen and released in 2016. And what they did is, it, you know, for most of us financial planners, the goal of the retirement plan is really always about kind of controlling spending and, and t in order to make the money last. Yeah. And, and one of the things that we always talk about is that when you're creating a retirement plan, we can very, very accurately figure out what your income is going to be. We can figure out what the taxation is going to be and how much you have available to spend. The question is, we're never quite sure what people are going to spend. Mm. And in many cases, we assume that people are going to spend too much, yeah. right? And it's not going to last long enough. And the study, and it's actually interesting now that I see my clients who have been retired for many years, that the fact that they're not spending, it kind of holds true in terms of what this study is saying. Mm. So it's not so much about focus on controlling spending. It's more the opposite, I guess, in, in that, you know, we have ample resources, but we're reluctant to draw down on those resources. And in fact, we're spending too little. Isn't it better to be safe than sore? I know. So this is called the consumption gap. And that's a really good question. Mm -hmm. And what the consumption gap has leads to in the study is a less satisfying retirement. Mm -hmm. So to what you're saying is, oh, doesn't it make sense? We should be conservative. We should be. But if your retirement is going to be less satisfying, yeah. is that really what you want? Mm -hmm. You know, and that's, I guess, you know, everybody has different priorities, but I think that it's more so just people erring on the side of caution than anything else. And I think there's some kind of cautiousness right now about longevity risk. Yeah. Because they're seeing people living a lot longer. Mm -hmm. So they're always wondering, will they run out of money? Interest rates are lower. Yeah. And so there's more concern, I believe, um, going into retirement 
Because uh, before, you know, you think about it, before we started uh, 32 years ago, you know, you, you worked to 65, and for the most <coughs> part, guys didn't hit 70. Yeah, yeah. And so, there was, you know, retirement planning wasn't that hard to do. But now it's like, wow, these people are living a lot longer, mm-hmm. and therefore they there's more concern so about that. So in the next 20 years, what, do we have to start planning for being 110, mm, 120? Good, good I question. mean, uh-huh. how does that change your position? I know. Age 100, yeah, anyway, yeah, right? You've yeah. got to think about it because the chances are you might get there and will your resources last. So the study was really focusing on what kind of income spending were individuals doing and what was the wealth pattern? In other words, could we measure their net worth and see what was happening in terms of the changes in their net worth? And the group, the study that they looked at were individuals age 65 to 70. And this group uh, was, they all retired in the year 2000. And they looked at what happened 10 years later. So by 2010, where were they and what sort of patterns did evolve from that? And then they they divided the group, the 65 to 7 year old group, into five categories based on net worth. So we had the the most uh, the modest net worth was number one. Mm-hmm. The highest net worth would be the f- the fifth group, the fifth category. And so it, what they found out is after 10 years, all five groups, all five groups had an increase in their net worth from 2000 to 2010. They all had more money than what they, they started. They made more. With. They all had more money than what wow. they started with. Wow. And, and what fascinated me about that was 2008 mm. was also yeah, in the there, which yeah. was mm. the Great Recession mm-hmm. and a stock market crash in the neighborhood of 20, 35 to 40%. So despite that, even their net worth was higher over that 10-year period. And so even the lowest net worth category, the level one category in terms of net worth, they they could have spent about 2% more. They had 90, they spent about 98% of their income, but there was a small cushion available Mm -hmm. to them, even looking at the different sources of retirement income from government benefits and they're from their pensions and also from their investments. And this increased because their investments made money. Increased because all of their investments, their home, everything increased in in value. value, Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. And uh, so what we found is that most spent far less. And in fact, um, of the top group, the, the fifth category, the highest net worth group, there is a 53% consumption gap. In other words, they could have spent 53% more money wow. and still have increased their net worth. Mm-hmm. So they were extremely conservative. The bottom group, number one, was 2% gap. The second group was about an 8% gap. And then the third and fourth group were higher still. So what was the reasons, right? They were trying to understand, is there something that's going on? Why are people, why is there this consumption gap? Why aren't people willing to spend more? And uh, so we talked about it one already, longevity, right? Mm-hmm. So the fear, geez, what, yeah. if I, what if I do live longer? And the irony in that is that when you ask people, nobody thinks they're going to live as long as they actually do. No. So we always think we're going <laughs> to die sooner. Yeah. So although, we, but it's still in the back of our mind, I yeah. guess that yeah. there's still a shadow of a doubt that is reflected in our spending and our willingness to spend as well. Um, unforeseen medical costs, okay? So mm. could there be something come along where we need long-term care? Is there gonna be additional costs associated with our with our medical care going forward? Um, estate bequests, so in other words, whether there was a plan to leave money, whether to charity or to family, so estate considerations. And I do see that in, in our in our practices. I'm sure where you've got clients whose goal it is to enhance. Yeah. They're they're actually yeah. looking to increase the net their net worth so that they can leave a larger estate. Right. Which is a nice situation. Yeah, really. <laughs> at, at the other end yeah. of that. Are you listening, mom and dad? <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So the the thought process was then with all of those as a background, we've got longevity, medical costs, estate bequests. What the what the study looked at is that let's factor those out in a, in the sense that let's take forty percent of their assets, their investment assets, and let's set those aside as a reserve from the very beginning. And even under that scenario, which was very conservative, mm-hmm. they still had a consumption gap. In other words, they still could have spent more, even setting money aside as a contingency buffer for those th- three things, longevity, medical costs. That and has to be bequest. generational. It has to be generational. <laughs> I mean, you can't I could, see yourself doing it. I don't know. Well, I, you know, I, I, could, I can't see you saying the same thing if you were to be sitting here 10 years from now. It'd be interesting, wouldn't now. it? Yeah, mm-hmm. fascinating. I know, yeah. I know. Well, and as I say, I definitely see it in my senior clients today, those that are in their 80s or even 90s, et cetera, that you know, they've built up assets, their net worth is higher, and in fact, they definitely could have spent more. Would they have had a more satisfying retirement? That's hard to say, mm-hmm. right? Because that's sort of subjective for everybody's yeah. situation. But um, you know, I always people say, well, I don't need any more money. I don't need to spend any more money. And I always say, well, if I gave you ten grand right now, could you figure out a way to spend it? Sure, you know, <laughs> do something. It'd with just it. get sucked into the black <laughs> hole. And I always say, there's two types of people: ones that don't save enough, mm-hmm. and ones that save too much. Yeah, there's never that perfect person. Yeah, and it's interesting. Not this, even me, Don. Oh, well, you're, you're <laughs> close there, Scott. But you know, <laughs> but you know what? And it's true. Like so, just because you hit retirement. Those habits don't change. Yeah, that's right. They're yeah. used to yep. saving. Yeah. That's how that's how they got money. Yeah. And the ones that didn't have money, we don't get them as clients. So, <laughs> <laughs> are young people as conscious of this as older people are? Are they are are they making sure that they will have enough, or is it something they're just still? Well, I'm very fearful of that. I'm very yeah. fearful that there is a, a generation, and it and I think it's it goes across all generations, not just young people, but there's people in their fifties today yeah, yeah. that are kind of in panic mode thinking yeah. have I actually saved enough what my what is my lifestyle going to look like yeah. how can I what will I actually be able to do what can I afford to do yeah. come retirement Don't because have I haven't set enough yeah. aside so the final thing that they, from a planner financial planning standpoint is what should we be doing to sort of help reduce this consumption gap and I can't tell you how many times I keep telling people you know you should spend more yeah. <laughs> you should spend more uh, and constantly look. at You could take them plan. out and say, hey, I'll, I'll take you out. Yeah, about exactly. You can spend some of that. You can spend more. Or we start, we start to talk about gifting, et cetera, and that becomes a little more uh, palatable as, mm. as people age and get closer to sort of end-of-life decisions. Do they want, the, would they rather gift it than spend it? It, it appears so yeah. because yeah, they can't sure. they can't seem to release themselves mentally to be able to spend the money. Yeah. So gifting sort of opens up because they can see, well, I can see the benefit of that, whether it's to family or charities. I'm alive. If I do it now, I can yeah. kind of get a little bit of that warm feeling and see the benefit of it while I'm still alive. But as planners, the, the one of the things we need to do is start to focus on income flow and not on net worth measurement. In other words, we're not focused, if we focus a little less on the money saved, but we talk a lot more about the income we can generate. Keep talking about income as a financial planner helps people focus then on what is the income I have. Right. And the second piece of advice is, is creating that um, regular income or sustainable income, we'll call it, because that also frees up. The, the, the sort of consumer to think, the retiree yeah, to think yeah. about spending. I'm covered. And yeah. so 
the the thought that right away at retirement you should immediately purchase an annuity with a portion of your savings and what that does is that locks in a lifetime stream of income and the retiree begins to get used to knowing and recognizing that it's a sustainable income yeah. it's going to be showing up every single month it's fun i can money. begin to plan i can mm. begin to plan about spending it because i know that that's not going to run out mm. yeah. We are planning your financial future. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. Don't forget about their seminar coming up October 12th. You can book your spot, 905-529-7165, or through the website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can see them in person October 12th. If you're a part of their seminar, you can book your ticket, 905-529-7165. It's free. Uh, andyanddon.com is the website. You can also book your spot there. We're talking about retirees yeah. not spending enough. That's right. Well, see you know us in we, person. You know why we have faces for radio. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I know why they. Don't you might sp- be scared. <laughs> I know why they don't spend enough. Is that Christmases and stuff? They say, "Well, you can have this bright, shiny five-dollar bill." Yeah. And they lose uh-huh. track that it was worth a lot, say, thirty years ago. Uh, and it seems significant. And still. it seems like a lot. And, and and grandchildren are now looking at this five-dollar bill and thinking, Hoping "Wow, crisp hundred e- would be nice." <laughs> I can't even go to a movie for this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or a bag exactly. of popcorn at the movie. <laughs> it, no, it, it's amazing what is valuable to them, especially when it's time to clean out the uh, the home. You know, mm-hmm. the yeah. parents' home. Yeah. It's just ima- it's amazing what they keep. So I was just want to share a story. It was in a situation, and a, you know, some people can relate to this. And and a client of mine's sister. Uh, her husband recently passed away and this was, sorry, this was a year ago. And uh, so she brought her in to discuss, there was a, um, a life insurance policy and some cash, all total, there was about $300,000. And she had, uh, they lived in their home in, up um, in um, Owen Sound area. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so they owned the home outright. And they lived a very modest lifestyle. And you talked about um, consumption gap. I mean, they they minded their money very yeah. carefully, and uh, and they lived on on not a lot of income. And so, she was hoping to replace a pension of his that was lost as a result of this. And so, the goal was to create a thousand dollars a month. So she was 62 at the time, so now she's 63. Her husband had re- been receiving old age security, and that stopped. But as a, um, as a survivor of a pensioner who was receiving old age security, she's entitled to something called the allowance, mm-hmm. which is similar to the guaranteed income supplement. The guaranteed income supplement is an additional payment on top of your normal old age security starting at age 65 based on an income test. So if you don't have a, a high level of income, you're going to receive some additional funding from the government in the form of guaranteed income supplement. This is the, the equivalent of it between the age of 60 and 65. So mm-hmm. she was receiving what's called the allowance, the spousal allowance, to the tune of 600 a month. And so in terms of trying to generate an income for her, the $1,000 a month was adequate to be able to cover her expenses uh, ongoing. And at $300,000, $12,000 a year, that's a 4% rate of return. Mm-hmm. So she had approached um, someone at a local financial institution and they suggested, well, <clears throat> you're a widow, it's you know very conservative, let's look at a GIC, a Guaranteed Investment Certificate option. And they had suggested a five-year GIC that was at the time paying 2.7%. 
And so they both they recognized and they told her that it wasn't going to be enough to pay to generate a thousand right. a month, but it would generate a little over seven hundred and fifty a month, somewhere around there. So eighty one hundred dollars a year was the total instead of twelve thousand. So there was a gap. So they said, well, you can use your capital. So you would draw down each year. We'll set aside a little bit so that you can take some from capital each year to make up and for it. to make up the difference. Mm-hmm. Well, what they didn't calculate was that the eight thousand one hundred dollars of interest that she earned for every twenty four dollars of additional income that she earns each each month or each year, sorry, she loses one dollar of her spousal allowance per month. Right. So that worked out to a decrease of three hundred and thirty seven dollars a month on her spousal allowance. So now her spousal allowance went from six hundred to under two hundred and seventy dollars in that range. That's probably a good argument for a financial plan. It, it definitely. Okay, yeah. So this is where the sister got involved and said, "Well, come and speak to Andy and Don. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll we'll talk about it. And maybe there's some other options." And um, so we recognized too that I mean this could work, but was it the most efficient? And really, when we looked out ten years, twenty years down the road, her three hundred thousand was going to be rowed down to about a hundred thousand in the next twenty years. Mm-hmm. And so will it be long enough? She'd only be 82. There was yeah. a fear that this actually might run out. And then what do you do? Sell the house. There's possibilities, but maybe there's a better option. And so what we came up with was um, something in terms that we would call a moderate conservative approach. And we use two pieces. We use something called a corporate class mutual fund with a return of capital. And I'll explain what that is in a second. And $100,000 in a a regular mutual fund investment where we set up um, a $200 withdrawal from that plan. So we had $800 coming from her corporate class $200,000 investment. As a return of capital, there is no taxation. In other words, she's getting back a portion of her original principal and leaving the growth inside the investment. And so on the other plan, the $100,000, 200 a month, basically she is redeeming a little bit of the investment, selling units every month and taking that $200 to the tune. So a total of $1,000 per month, 12,000 per year. Now, when we looked at, does that have an impact on her spousal allowance? Well, the only taxable portion of her $12,000 is a small amount of capital gain from that $200 withdrawal, which worked out to about 450 bucks of taxable income each year instead of 8100 right. under the GIC. Yeah. So the reduction in her um, spousal allowance worked out to about $19 a month. Hmm. So she went from 600 to 581. She's now receiving 12,000 a thousand a month from this investment and over the course of the year. So now we've been running this for one year now, it was September last year to September this year. Her 300,000 is worth 301,000. So she's hmm. taken out $12,000. The wow. rate of returns worked out to about 4.75% for her. And um, and she's made money. And she's made money. Yeah. So she has, under the other plan, the, the bank plan, she would have had about $14,400 a year of income to spend. And under our plan, she had a little over, ni- just around $19,000 of income to spend. A difference of $4,600 a year or 385 bucks a month. Wow. Good so, planning. So anyway, yeah. she's been, she's very happy that we're on track with all of this. And, uh, and you know, the stress is sort of lifted off of her shoulders a bit yeah. in terms of being able to provide an income for herself for the rest of her life. Great story. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And when you're looking at guaranteed income supplement and managing that, it's absolutely amazing because it's uh, when somebody's 
living at a house and collecting it because all their money's tied up in the house. Mm-hmm. But as soon as they sell the house, now they've got all these all the money invested, and that now creating an income. So for every dollar you make an income over the threshold for guaranteed income supplement, you lose fifty cents of guaranteed income supplement. Right. So it's almost like a 50% tax bracket yeah, in a yeah, way. Yeah. So now what Andy's done in this case, you've taken that money, moved it into an investment that actually starts paying you principal first or capital gains. So you're a lot lower tax so it versus at the, you know, what the banks have done in, in most cases, they're creating dividend income or interest income and that just ruins the guaranteed income supplement. Yeah. Because so, they're only looking at a portion of the of the uh, of the plan. They're only uh, looking at a portion, of one or two spokes in a or, wheel, or just not assessing the tax implications yeah. of those choices. Yeah, really. Yeah, I, I think you're more on line there, and because quite often they're not aware of the tax side of things. Yeah. And in fact, I had a one bank call. I talked to my client and said, and and my client was going to leave myself to go to the bank because they said they could do a better job. Their fees were lower, whatever the case was. And I said, okay, well that's interesting. If you do that you will no longer collect your guaranteed income supplement. Because yeah. we were doing the exact same thing that Andy mm-hmm. just proposed. And he says, really, they didn't tell me that. Ask, ask them about that. Yeah. And uh, they, first of all, they had kind of the deer in the headlight kind of look because yeah. they weren't aware of the tax implications or losing the guaranteed income supplement. Because financial planning is looking at a lot more than simply the investments, mm-hmm. okay? You have to look at the tax side, the estate side, the retirement planning, cash flow analysis. You're looking at the big picture and it's, it, and they don't, stand by themselves. They all work together. Yeah. So if you're only looking at one piece, yeah. it could definitely affect the other. And then they just thought, oh, I wasn't aware of that. Well, this is where having a financial planner, you're looking at all the pieces and how they're connected. Yeah. And, and, the, and the person did end up coming back to me and said, absolutely right, Don. I would have uh, lost my GIS, my guaranteed income supplement, and uh, there'd be no more conversations. Here's the, here's the other thing. When was the last time you walked into a bank and dealt with the same person that you dealt with when you started? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, a, challenge. it's a revolving door. <clears throat> well, technology has really taken over, yeah. you know, with um, being able to do things online, going to the bank machines. Mm-hmm. It's, it's diminished the responsibilities that the banks used to do. The, and of course, cost cutting. And yeah. it comes yeah, down uh-huh. to how much profit can I get yeah. per store? And uh, create the dividends for the shareholders. Mm-hmm. And I always said, if hey, if you can't beat them, own them. Yeah. And what I mean by that is own shares of the banks inside your mutual funds that are within your portfolio. Yeah. And you'll end up with a, a, a pretty good return because they're good at running the banks. Yeah. It's just whether they're doing the right planning for yeah. the clients. And, and that's what I've found um, with using you guys that, that is a benefit to a family is that you make a ton of financial decisions over the course of time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's not just, well, what do I do with that, Don and Andy? What do I do with that? It, it's like, well, no, this is your insurance. This is that. This is if you're buying a car. That, like there's so many things you can ask you guys and get your advice from. Can we? That how, all fits into everything. How deep can we go in terms yeah. of all of those yeah. details and questions that come up for yeah. people? Yeah, and sure. I mean, it's not just a case of once a year you pick up the phone and you go, oh yeah, we gotta do that, why don't you come over and let's work on it. I mean, yeah. it's like if you're doing a major thing, you, I, I'll call you guys up and say, Am I, is this right, should I do this? And it, it deals with every aspect of money, not just Exactly. The retirement stuff. Exactly. You know? no, I'm glad you uh, very no- And what the the example that Andy gave, there's there's a oh, there example is. of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Welcome and, to the financial plan. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah, and no, you're right. And we're constantly learning. Yeah. We don't stop. That's right. Yeah. Um, for, to get your to keep your certified financial planner, we we have to have 40 hours yeah. of courses a year. And, and it's always changing. Like the tax rules, as we know, we talked about on the last yeah. show, how they're changing now. And 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 my son is now in the business with me. And it's like, 
Mitch, we never stop learning here. Yeah. I've been doing this for 32 years. Yeah. You never that's stop learning. That's a good thing. Yes, That's absolutely. why you're constantly employed. And it doesn't matter what job you're in. That's got to be the case. You oh, try yeah. to keep yeah. uh, educating. <laughs> it's funny you said that. You keep current. Yeah. I said, if, if it never changed, we would have been replaced by machines long ago. Yeah, yeah. good point. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. So is he teaching you anything yet? <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe a little bit. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> On the tech side. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was thinking that funny you mentioned that. That's exactly where it was. That's true. Oh, well. But anyway. There was an interesting book um, written. It, was, it basically came to How to Become a Happy Retiree. And it was written by a Nancy, and I can't pronounce her last name. She, she used to be a professor uh, at a university in the U.S. and uh, in Maryland. And now she's retired and she's happy. She's retired. She retired <laughs> Spending 60. more than she, than she probably thought she would have. It was actually interesting. She, six, she retired 67. That was 20 years ago. Mm, she's now 87. Wow, okay. Wow. Okay. And writing a book on retirement. And it was, I think it was titled Too Young to be old, love, learn, work, and play as you as you age. Yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. And great, sounds good. Yeah, great topic. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's interesting when we deal with this stage. In particular, after being in the business over thirty years each, we've seen people say at age fifty, mm-hmm. and then fifteen years, which was happened to be fifteen years ago, they've now retired at sixty-five. Yeah. And then those same people are now eighty. Yeah. And there's been a lot of transitions from I can't believe them. Retirement's so far away. Yeah. Well, it's only 10 years away. Wow, I'm going to retire, Don. Who would have thought? Let's have a party. <laughs> to, wow, what do I do now that I'm retired? Yeah. And, and some of the questions, will I run out of money, et cetera. And now it's to the far end is actually, and, and as Andy said, making sure we spend some of that money to have a very successful and happy retirement. And everybody's goals are different. So we're not trying to say, okay, you got to fit here. But if I hear clients say, oh, I always wanted to take a cruise, I actually, lit- I literally said, I will be calling at the end of the day if I don't hear back if you don't book this. Hmm. Because I had heard this probably for the last four years. Yeah. And she literally did call her daughter and they booked a cruise and they did an Alaskan cruise. And to this day, that was her, one of the best things she ever had in her bucket list she wanted to do. Cool. But sometimes it needs that push because I said, you have enough money. Mm-hmm. This is, we've done the planning. This isn't an issue. So, so interesting. So when you do leave that structured work world, it is so different. Um, the first thing is you've lost a bit of your identity. Yeah. Now, I do find males um, have a bit more of identity crisis than females with this. Um, I don't maybe possibly kids, et cetera. I'm not quite sure. Maybe they want to be grandmothers yeah. more. I'm not quite sure why, but it seems that males seem to be more attached to their job title. Mm-hmm. Um, and some females too. And now it's all of a sudden you got some new roles, some new relationships. And you got to create this new identity. So that's, that's the first step. Second is relationships. You've gone from going to the office and schmoozing with yeah, all your buddies. That's a big one too. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> water cooler time. Water cooler, <laughs> have a coffee, let's do lunch. And, st- and, and it's easy. You're seeing these people every day. It's, it's, you don't have to go out and find anybody. Yeah. They're, they're all with you. Yeah, yeah. Now you got your buddies. And now all of a sudden it's like, okay, I got to spend, I got to find some new friends, first mm-hmm. of all, that are retired because some of them are working. I maybe have to join some clubs. And I'm going to spend a lot more time with my spouse. And yee, yee, yee. <laughs> and the spouse is saying the same thing. <laughs> about 100% yeah. more. I think I read somewhere the average, <laughs> the average individual spends about six hours with their spouse. When you're retired, it doubles to 12. Yeah. Wow. And separate cabins on that cruise. <laughs> uh, and, and we have had these heart-to-heart talks with both spouses there. Yeah. It's always because it, sometimes it's nice to have that third person there to discuss these things too <laughs> about spending the time and doing the cruises and maybe still having separate interests so that yeah. they have something to talk about. 
hey, if you're spending all your time with each other, yeah. what are you going to talk about, right? Yeah. And uh, also having that purpose. So identity, your new relationships, and you have to have this new purpose. It's easy when you wake up every Monday through Friday and yeah. I'm waking up and I'm going to work. Yeah. Now I'm waking up for what? Yeah, you've gone from autopilot to... Breakfast. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what am I going to do? Uh, wake Eat. up and volunteer is one, yeah, maybe yeah. part-time. Um, get involved. Um, I, I'm, I, I, do, I belong to a golf course and I, it's interesting how many retirees have a set tee time at like seven yeah. thirty, eight o'clock. I think, get off the course. I got to work. Like I got to get my early tea yeah. time in. They've considered, it's just like continuing their job. Yeah, yeah. I got this tea time and I'm at this, and, and it's why they're getting up. Mm -hmm. Not to mention they got up at 5.30 anyway, so. Yeah, really. <laughs> when you have to get up to pee, you might as well do something productive. <laughs> Let's go golf. That's it. So it, it's a massive change and it can lead to all sorts of issues um, from, you know, there's a honeymoon stage in the first six months where everything's just like an, it's a long holiday. But it's interesting. Everybody goes through these stages, honeymoon stage to, wow, what do I do now to finding a whole new role in life? <laughs> and what will that role be? Is it going to be satisfying? Yeah. And uh, you've got, I've got people that are extremely happy and can't get the smile off their face. To says, Don, this has been tough. I'm actually going through depression here. Yeah. No, that happens a lot. So I've seen both yeah. sides of it. Yeah. And I'm going to go through the six paths of how to become a happy retiree. All right, we are planning your financial future, 905-529-7165. All you have to do is uh, call that number. You can reserve your spot for the seminar coming up on October 12th. Also, uh, the website, andyanddon.com. You can book your spot there. Also, listen to old shows. And, of course, ask a question via the listener inquiry button. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. Call now, 905 905- 529-7165. You can book your spot at the seminar for October 12th. You can also do that at andyanddon.com, the website. That's andyanddon, all one word, dot com. All right, happy retirement is what we're talking about. Yes, how to become that happy retiree. Once you get there, it's like, okay, what do I do now? Yeah. Don and Andy have given us this fantastic plan. I, I have the money. But here's a couple pointers that's going to help shape a life that you'll love while you're retired. Because... You know, the commercials are one thing, and, and it's so funny. I see these other ones, more realistic commercials, too. Mm -hmm. And it's not quite like they always show the boat, and then the guy's not exactly. I never liked boating, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that I'd wasn't me. I'd learn to like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not all bad. So it really came down to six different paths to take, of which five are good. Mm -hmm. Okay? And one was being a continuer. Okay, so basically a continuer was modifying their activities while continuing along a similar path. For example, a retired museum director may start helping out at art shows. Yeah. So something that they already had a, an interest a in. A skill, yeah. A skill in. They, they could add mm -hmm. value because they were doing it mm -hmm. at one time. And now they want to add in something similar. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that, that's called a continuer. So find, try to figure out for those retirees listening out there, which one you would fall into. The next one would be the adventurer. They look at, at, at retirement as this opportunity to pursue that unrealized dream or try something new, such as, say, a retired teacher who's going to turn uh, a hobby of raising goats into a new life. Yeah, sure. Or somebody said, I always wanted to be a photographer, and they go around and they take pictures. Yeah. And yeah. the reason I, I bring that up is I often will ride my bike, which is no cycling down there, mind you, but I go down on my way to work once a week and there's all these pictures, all these photographers taking pictures of 
osprey. Mm-hmm. Um, there's swans right now down yeah. there, and they line up. It's and and they'll just take. There's got to be six to ten of them every really? morning, really, with massive cameras. Yeah. And I I talked to this one guy, Butch, great guy, and he's uh said, oh yeah, yeah, I sell some on the internet, like to. He said, oh, I get peanuts. Yeah. But it's just a passion. It's like it's like sure. catching a fish for them. Yeah, yeah. Except now it's that picture, trying to get that perfect picture. So anyway, there's a lot of those adventures out there. Um, and it it could be doing just that passion. That Another client of mine who was a teacher, he was a phys ed coach. Mm-hmm. And he decided to go into, and he did a lot of coaching, how to, how to shoot the three-pointer for basketball. Wow. And he's now... He's helped many, many coaches, did all summers, just volunteering time before. Now he's made a business out of it. Hmm. And he's traveling all over teaching kids how to properly shoot the three-pointer because as you can tell by Curry out there and others mm-hmm. in the NBA, how important that shot is sure. now, right? Um, and the- I don't get why they don't make them every time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you practice, come on. Come on. Some, some of those can't take th- the free throws. Exactly. Never mind, <laughs> never exactly. mind the three-pointers. Yeah. Um, then there's the third person, which is the easy glider. They look at retirement as a time to relax and they take each, each day as it comes. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. It's kind of like sitting at the cottage and watching the sunrise and next thing you know. I that. might be into the easy glider mm-hmm. uh, model there, but no, I'm still young, so I yeah, don't know. But that's, what, but that's what I'm looking at in the future. Yes. The but sun rises, the sun sets. <laughs> and what how, how, how it filled the day from there, that's up to you. That's it. That's it. What the heck? It, but I bet you people's opinion of this changes when they're, say, in their 50s like we are, as opposed to in their 60s or 70s. Absolutely. That could change, right? And and not you don't may not fall into one direct category. Yeah. You may say, okay, I'm I'm generally an easy glider. But I want to be a bit of an adventurer too. Uh, so I got this little part-time gig doing this or whatever it might be. Or I'm going to go travel Europe. And that's one month. The other 11 months, I'm an easy glider. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's also the involved spectator. This is somebody that really cared deeply about their previous work and they receive satisfaction from following developments in their field. So it's kind of lurking in a way, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> they're You're still involved. They're still involved. They're yeah. still maybe, they might be doing consulting. Yeah. And that's actually what happens. They 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 had so so much knowledge in this area, and it hasn't changed drastically enough. And they can still add a lot of value. So they'll get hired here and there. They they keep they keep their license. Yeah. They but they don't practice anymore. Yeah. They just love it. it they that, they loved it for forty years, yeah. but they just don't want to do full time anymore. So that's the involved spectator. Then there's the searcher. The searcher are those retirees that are looking for their niche. They might retire then adventure into some new path. And then when that has played out, they'll search again. Yeah. Basically, it goes wherever. There's, it's almost like looking at one of those signs that shows t- 2,400 kilometers to New York City, mm-hmm. 1,500 to Tokyo. Yeah. And you got all these different that's directions. Right, yeah. yeah, you follow one for a while and say, eh, that's enough of that one. I think I'll try this one now. Sure. And again, nothing wrong with any of these. The idea is do what makes you happy. Yeah, got to be something. But- don't let somebody say, well, this is the way you should retire. There is these distinct six ways. And I really do value this person's uh, opinion. After being retired, this lady, uh, for 20 years, and, a, and being a prof on her own, done a very good article about simply these paths. And me seeing these over the years, and mm-hmm. Andy seeing these over the years, it's like, absolutely. I've seen that person. I've seen this person. <laughs> I can actually, I, I, can, I got faces to all these right now. That's hilarious. Okay. And then there's the retreater. They come into two types types of versions. 
There's after stepping back and disengaging from their previous routine, some get depressed and become couch potatoes. That is not the one you want to be. No. Okay. Other retreaters use kind of this a um, um, moratorium to figure out what's next. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like, okay, it's not where I want to be. And they start reading books and start going to libraries and getting involved in, in kind of maybe self-help yeah, areas. Yeah. Um, there's uh, join different groups and finally so-called find themselves. Because mm-hmm. it, is, it is difficult to go from a very, very busy job yeah. to cutting the cord. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden it's like, wow, this is it now. Mm. It's not a vacation. This is what I'm going to do like yeah. forever. Yeah. And finding it. So there's usually, and that's where that small time, most people get through that fairly quickly, but it's getting through that and then becoming one of those other five categories. It's sort of like year two or three of retirement rather than year one. You got it. We are planning your financial future. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can call now, leave a message, and book your spot for the October 12th seminar at 905-529-7165. We're coming back. We are planning your financial future. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can book a spot for their seminar and see them in person at 905-529-7165. You can do the same at the website, andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. Uh, talking about what you would do if you all of a sudden discovered a hundred thousand dollars. Wow, yes. that's a good one. Think Boom. about that for a minute. It's like a lottery win. Yeah. Well, interesting fact: back in February the fifteenth, there was uh, somebody was going to a. I guess there was a TV mm-hmm. that was left in a recycling plant in Barrie, mm-hmm. and they went to dismantle this TV, and it turned out there was a whole bag of a whole bunch of fifty dollar bills in there. Hmm. And so the lady that found this said, well, that's a lot of money. So the camera was $100,000. Man. In a TV. In a TV. And so they went back. Clearly it wasn't a flat screen. (laughs) (laughs) No, you ought to see the TV. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's that old school TV that, yes, we all had one of those. Mm -hmm. It probably was like a 32-incher and it cost like five grand at one time. But anyway. And so they went back and tried to find out the history of this TV. And I guess that was gifted to somebody who had given it, got it from somebody else. And that person 30 years ago inherited $100,000 in 1985. And for some reason decided that they'd stashed this money in a TV. Wow. Yeah, I know. Under the mattress, I've heard. You know, you put it in the freezer, I've heard. TV, that's a new one on me. It's all great till the house burns down. Oh, Funny thing is, he gave the TV away yeah. to somebody else. Didn't go to the recycling plant right originally, and forgot the money was in there. <laughs> but anyway, a lot of very honest people, wow, <laughs> tracked this person down, and the, the the man is now 68 years old. Yeah. So in 1985, he was 38 years old, and he received this $100,000. So his thinking at that time was, I'm going to put it in a TV. Not invest in TVs, not <laughs> like technology. Yeah, like, right. Had you put that in Apple stock, I yeah. have no idea how many millions <laughs> and millions and millions of dollars it would As be worth right now. As opposed to the TV. The TV itself. Now, it's interesting. He says, it's, this is worth more to me now. This is his quote. This is worth more to me now than it would have been worth to me when I 30 years ago. Hmm. And I beg to differ on this one. Yeah. Because it has sat there earning zero for 30 years. Clearly, he didn't need it then. I guess he had enough money. Yeah. And he never touched it. In fact, there's it's averaged 3.6% inflation. 
over that period of time, those 30 years. Mm-hmm. So that $100,000 back in 1985 dollars is now worth only $33,000 yeah. because it's been eroded by inflation. Yeah, no spending power. Okay. Yep. He could have bought a pretty nice TV. I mean, a TV. He could have bought a, a great TV and a house to go with that TV yeah. with $100,000. Now, how do you put the money into long-term bonds? 100% guaranteed long-term government Canada bonds, you would have made 6.2%. And, and today, though, that 100000 would have grown to 645000 hmm. Okay. In 1980 dollars, that still works out to $221,000. Yeah. So it would have been worth more than double in those dollars. Okay. You don't want to tell the guy that. You'll break his heart. Oh, yeah, he's 68. Yeah. Yeah. You he's might. think he's got a 100 grand windfall. He oh, he thinks it's great. Yes. And in fact, for that now, that 100 grand, it's, it's like triple. You'd mm. need triple that to get the same hundred grand. Yeah. Okay. Um, so then international stocks, how'd you put it in the international stocks? You would have made 8.2%. You ha- you currently would have $1.1 million currently right now. Yikes. How do you have decided, I'm not going to touch this money for 30 years. That, that is the perfect client for me. Yeah. Okay. Really. I'm investing. I do not want anything. I'll and see you in 30 I'm years. I'm going to put it in my TV set. Yeah, Rip yeah. Van Winkle. Yeah. I'm going to wake up and yeah. tell me what it's worth, Don. Yeah. I don't care if the market goes up, down, yeah. or sideways, and it always does well in the long term. You'd have a million, 1.1 million, worth in $1980, $403,000. How'd you put it in a moderate portfolio, part bonds, part stocks? You would have averaged 8.9% in that 30 years and be $1.4 million. Canadian stock market. He's from Canada. Yeah. If he said, you know what? Throw me into any mutual fund in Canadian stocks. 30 years. The average would have been 9.7%. Would have been worth $1.8 million now. You know what? If you'd found that money, you'd be just be better to keep it. Why, why take it back to the man and break his pocket? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Uh, and then there's the aggressive portfolio. And the aggressive portfolio would have made 10.6. And that would have been accompanying some fixed income, about 10% fixed income, some US, some Canadian, some international. It'd be worth $2.2 million. And had you put, and if you got lucky, and I don't suggest he was this lucky. He did get the 100,000, but he, he basically is almost like, what would you do with 100,000? That's the last thing to do with 100,000, yeah, yeah. nothing. US stocks, put in the US stock market, 11.3% average over those 30 years, would have been $2.7 million. And in 1980 dollars, this is the kicker, 1980 dollars, million bucks. So basically what that says, if you grew up in, in the 1980s and you had $100,000 to put away, that's what it would be worth now. Yeah. Yeah. It wow. would be worth a million dollars in his, back in 1980 dollars, yeah. or it'd be worth 2.7 million now. So for somebody who says, okay, I'm a millionaire now, that's a great deal. Yeah. yeah it's not the same thing. Back in 1980, millionaire was a big deal. Yeah. yeah. Now you need 2.7 million to get the same to thing. To get the same thing. Yeah. And so now that you have all this money, and of course the people that will be coming to our seminar October 12th would never do this mm-hmm. because they want to find a way to make a very tax effective retirement paycheck. And that's what we're going to be talking about is how to create this paycheck using some of the stories Andy mentioned about. Um, creating tax effectives using T-series, corporate class dividends, capital gains, 
and making sure you manage those tox brackets on October 12th. All right. And of course, if you want your spot at the seminar, call 905-529-7165. That's 905-529-7165. We should also mention that it is free. And you can also sign up via the website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. We have been planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox have been here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. We'll see you next week. Thank you, gentlemen. Thanks.